This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports, the guys draft an all-time Heisman's list on, in Out of the Box. We discuss the NBA free agency as well as give our 20 through 17 in the NFL preseason power rankings. This week in sports covers the Olympics as well as a look forward to what we're looking forward to over the weekend and into next week. Friday, August 6th, your favorite duo is back and ready to talk about the world of sports this week. I'm Dylan Jesperson with me as always, Dylan Holt here on the Dylan and Dylan radio show. How are you doing this week? You know, you know, Dylan, I've been better. Uh, I've been watching a lot of baseball lately because with basketball coming out of season, we've got basically the Olympics and baseball going on. And my St. Louis Cardinals have not been doing well. Uh, they can't buy a win. Last night was a really tough loss against the Braves. It was it was kind of embarrassing, but that is what it is. And then also, we're getting really, really close to football season, and fantasy football leagues are starting up. And I don't want to pay these fantasy football uh, fees to get in these leagues because everybody's just trying to get it in my wallet, and it's, I don't like it. Uh, it's, it's a real downtime. We just got baseball and Olympics to focus on. That's what we're going to focus on the good things, not worry about paying fantasy football fees and uh, losing baseball games. We're going to talk about some fun stuff and not worry about all that. Uh, but how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to get into this week of stuff. Uh, inversely, the Tigers have been playing really well. They just took two out of three uh, against the Red Sox, which was uh, not what I expected to see when the Red Sox came into the town. Um but also excited for football season with preseason that's starting last night. It's just, uh, you know, you're getting into that mood. It feels like it's come quicker this year than any other year. And it's just getting me more and more excited as we, as we get into it. Uh, quick reminder to follow us on Tunnel Vision Sports Network on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and then subscribe to the Dylan and Dylan Show on YouTube. That guy, way you guys will never miss an episode. Uh, speaking of football, we're about three weeks away from the start of college football, probably our favorite time of the year. And we thought this week's out of the box fantasy draft, we would get started and get into the college football mood by drafting our all time Heisman winner team. The pretty straightforward anyone who won the Heisman is available to join your list. Snake draft per usual, and I'll throw it to Dylan. Do you want the first pick or the second and third picks this week? I believe I got the first pick last week, so I'll let you have the first pick this week. Okay. So with the first pick, I've got a pretty deep group of names. I did a lot of research on the guys, but first pick, I got to take the one that's been on my mind and the one that comes to mind as a Michigan fan, when you think about the Heisman trophy, uh, there's three names that probably come to mind, but for me, it's Charles Woodson, 1997, the only primary Heisman winner or to play the defensive side of the ball, primarily 43 tackles and seven picks in his junior year, along with 11 catches, 231 yards in the touchdown. And obviously that punt return uh, mirrored the Desmond Howard punt return against Ohio state. 
uh, went on to win a shared national championship with Nebraska that year in 1997. Uh, and that, that undefeated year might be the only reason he beat out uh, your Peyton Manning and uh, Tennessee that year, because Peyton Manning might've been the best player that year, but Charles Woodson in terms of his versatility and then what, what he went on to do in the NFL, um, maybe my favorite Michigan player of all time. And Born and raised in Ohio, then came and beat the crap out of Ohio State. Uh, so they always, those types of players always uh, hold a special place in my heart. So I'll put Ches- uh, Charles Woodson on my on my board. I'll throw it to you for the second and third picks. The Charles Woodson Heisman is a real sore subject for me and my my family because that's always I've always been taught that Peyton Manning is the greatest player of all time. It could be any sport. He's the greatest athlete. It doesn't matter. It's Peyton Manning. He, he's the whole shebang. So I've always been taught that was Peyton's Heisman. I mean, looking back, you can't say Woodson didn't deserve it, but it's hard to say Peyton didn't either. Um, so that one's a sore subject. But uh, I really like the pick. I'm going to uh, switch lanes to my pick now, and I'm going to take a guy that I feel sure that you had on your list. Um, I'm going to go with the guy that I think maybe uh, maybe had the greatest season ever in college football, in my opinion. Uh, he's a Detroit legend. Uh, the 1988 uh, Heisman winner from Oklahoma State, Barry Sanders. Uh, I was doing research for this, like you did, like you said, um, and I was blown away by Barry's numbers. Like I knew, obviously, Barry's awesome. Uh, obviously, was not alive to see him play at Oklahoma State, uh, but the numbers they just jump off uh, my iPhone Notes app. Uh, Two thousand six hundred twenty-eight rushing yards, thirty-seven rushing touchdowns, and then you throw in the fact that he's a kick returner as well. So he's got 3,249 total yards, 39 total touchdowns. He had more than 300 rushing yards in four games. That is silly. That, that major silly goose energy from Barry Sanders back in 1988. Um, and then to top it all off in his final game uh, at Oklahoma State in the Holiday Bowl, the 1988 Holiday Bowl, he ran for 222 yards and five touchdowns. Um, that has to be maybe the greatest college football season ever by Barry. Um, and that's why he became my first pick and why the, your Detroit Lions decided to pick him in the NFL draft. Um, so, yeah, I'm going with Barry first. And then the second one, my second pick uh, is probably the best uh, college football season I've ever been able to witness. Uh, I'm going to throw it to 2010 from Auburn, Cam Newton. Uh, I remember this one very fondly because it's like getting around that age where you're like watching every game. It doesn't matter what team's on. And obviously, me being a Tennessee guy, I have a lot of eyes on the SEC. And Cam Newton down at Auburn, I have no problems with Auburn. Auburn can win every game they play if it's if they're not playing Tennessee because uh, they don't like Alabama just as much as us. Um, but Cam Cam tore it up uh, at Auburn, throwing for 2,874 yards, 30 touchdowns, just seven interceptions. That's silly. And then you look at his rushing stats. You've got 1,473 rushing yards with 20 touchdowns. 50 total touchdowns in the SEC when the SEC was not what it was today. Back in 2010, the SEC was – that was defense country. That was more like the Big Ten is now where they play, play quite a bit of defense. So uh, those numbers really popped off the uh, screen for me. I was like, yeah, let's let's get Cam along with Barry, and that, I think that's a pretty good start. So I'll take Cam and Barry and throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, definitely great picks. You definitely swept the Barry pick. He was lined up to be my at least my third pick, maybe my second pick. I thought you were about to steal my second and third picks, but 
Cam was uh, one of my alternate picks. I will go with the guy that I thought you were about to steal. I'm talking, uh, when you say recent, I'm talking real recent. I'm talking 2019 LSU, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, maybe not the, the athlete that a lot of the Heismans are, but the stats say it all, 4,715 passing yards, 400, or 48 touchdowns. That's just through the air. He had 289 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, possibly the most dominant season individually and as a team because LSU really did not get challenged in that season at all. Basically cruised to a national title, walked through the playoffs, and a lot of that, you know, he had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase as his wide receivers, so a uh, big part of it there. But Joe Burrow, probably the most dominant season in recent memory. Uh, I'll, I'll snatch him up. I'll grab him for my second pick. Uh, and if we're going to skip over uh, Barry, I'll go with a different running back, a different uh, uh, legendary running back in his own right. Uh, I'm talking the 1998 Texas team. I've got Ricky Williams on my squad. Maybe the greatest single season in college football history. He set 21 records, college, or national records in 1998. And one of those, obviously, Tony Dorsett's all-time career rushing record that had stood for 22 years. Uh, he started his career as a fullback at, at Texas, which was one of the things that just it, it makes sense when you look at his body and his frame. But uh, for a guy that rushed for 2000 yards in the season, 27 touchdowns in that 1998 Heisman season. Uh, and one of I think at the time was the largest margin of victory when he won. Uh, other guys have passed that since then. But uh, one of possibly the single most dominant statistical season from a running back we've ever seen and uh, went on to have a very fascinating pro career, uh, a very interesting 30 for 30 on him. If you want to check out his story, uh, but as a, as a college football player, uh, I'm happy to have Ricky Williams on my squad. Uh, I'll I'm happy with the two picks, Joe Burrow there and Ricky Williams. I'll throw it to, to Dylan for his final two picks. I was really hoping Joe would be there for these last two picks, Joe is someone I definitely had. Um, and I'm going to have to go to one of my alternates now. I did not have Ricky. I thought about Ricky. Ricky was an alternate I had down. Um, so I guess for my third pick, I'm going to stay with quarterbacks. I'm going to go down to the SEC down in Texas, 2012, Johnny Manziel out of Texas A&M. Uh, everybody can remember that season. Johnny, as a he was a sophomore, I believe, at A&M and just absolutely tore it up, throwing for 3,419 yards, 24 touchdowns, ran for 1,181 and 19 touchdowns. Uh, just an electric season. Uh, it was by the midway point. I think it was the Alabama game, actually, that uh, he kind of wrapped it up. He uh, Alabama was on one of those dominant runs where it just seemed like no one could beat him. And then this, this kid from Texas A&M just torches him in Tuscaloosa. And there's that iconic play where he rolls out of the pocket tosses it into the end zone just to a wide open receiver and that was that was one of his real Heisman moments that no one will forget and obviously the story didn't go as planned for Johnny but that's okay uh I'm very pleased to get him with my third pick one of my favorite college players ever up there with Cam uh Barry would be if I would have been alive to watch him I'm sure uh with my final pick I'm going to switch lanes back to running back uh, I'll book in with running backs I'm going to go 1981 at USC, Marcus Allen. Uh, Marcus Allen, one of the all-time greats. Unfortunately, like Barry, didn't get to watch Marcus uh, with my eyes, but I've seen many highlights on the YouTube and on ESPN and such. 
uh, him like Barry, when you see the numbers, it's like, holy cow, that guy, he's built different. Uh, he had 433 carries in 1981. That is absurd. Uh, if they did that now, they'd be like, are these coaches trying to kill Marcus Allen? What is going on here? Uh, he scored 22 touchdowns. He had 2,427 yards rushing. That is crazy. And then you go look at all-purpose yards, 2,683 total yards. That is just absolutely insane. Uh, he was the first person to ever run for 2,000 yards in NCAA history. Uh, crazy season by Marcus Allen in 1981 at USC. Uh, and he's part of that elite running back uh, history at USC with other great Heisman winners like Reggie Bush and O.J. Simpson. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad to end my Heisman team with Marcus Allen joining Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, and Barry Sanders. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick. Yeah, great picks there as well. Uh, Marcus Allen, uh, maybe an overlooked in terms of the USC running backs course, but the stats the stats don't lie. The stats don't lie in terms of Marcus Allen. So great picks there. Uh, with my final pick, I do have to go to an alternate because uh, I was set uh, on taking Barry with my third pick. But uh, when you've got Heisman winners as your alternate, you can't really go wrong. Uh, I am going to go somewhat recent again. Uh, this was the last alternate I put on my list too. And then once I put it down, I was like, I was trying to figure out how to get him into the squad. And so if Barry's gone, I'll, I'll throw him in there. I'm going to go to the 2016 season, uh, Lamar Jackson for Louisville. Uh, maybe the most single dominant performances from a quarterback I've ever seen in terms of his versatility through for 3,543 yards, 30 touchdowns ran for 1,571 yards and 21 touchdowns on the ground. So uh, he was one of those guys when he was playing, he just seemed like a created player in NCAA video games. Uh, You didn't think a guy could throw as well as he did, as well as run as fast as he did. Uh, Maybe the best athlete in college football in general that year, and he was playing quarterback. So um, dominant statistical seasons. That's kind of was my trend for, for most of it, other than Charles Woodson, just, some dominant seasons in terms of these guys. And I'm happy to round out my list. So I got Lamar, I've got Ricky, I've got Joe and I've got, I've got my man Woodson. So pretty solid foursome. Uh, and looking, uh, yeah, you had a group of alternates there. Anyone that didn't make your list that uh, you were looking at. So the guys that didn't make my list, uh, the first one was Eddie George at Ohio state, uh, I kind of like in live was picking in my head. I was like, I don't know if do I go with Eddie, do I go with Marcus Allen? I, I decided to go with Marcus Allen. Uh, Derrick Henry was another one. I absolutely love Derrick Henry. He's my boy. He's going to lead the Titans to a Super Bowl this year, but he, he's an Alabama guy. I, I, I just, I take a little bit too much pride in my balls to have an Alabama guy in my Heisman list. I'm sorry, Derek, if you're listening, we can, we can go get lunch sometime and talk about it. It'll be okay. Um, and then, like, Mariota, I had him on the list, and uh, Jameis Winston, but I, I didn't put that. I thought these guys had better seasons uh, all throughout, uh, whether it be Cam or Johnny. Decided to go with them. What about you? What alternates did you have? Yeah, so I obviously had to use one with Lamar, but I had uh, guys like Bo Jackson written down. Uh, Bo Jackson might have been, like, the biggest name and, and could have helped in maybe the voting, but – I looked at his season and it was like he, he got hurt his senior year. So he played through injuries and it was less than 2000 yards uh, under 20 touchdowns. It's, he's Bo Jackson, uh, but maybe not in terms of the season doesn't kind of rank up with these other guys. 
Uh, I had Cam on my alternates list. Obviously, you took him. And then Desmond Howard was my only other one. Uh, was the la- Before Devontae Smith obviously won it this year, he was the last wide receiver to win the award, which kind of seems wild that it was like 20 or so years in between, but or 30 or so years in between. But uh, caught 61 passes for 960 yards and 19 touchdowns in 1991 and second largest margin of victory ever. And then obviously the most icon- iconic Heisman moment of all time, uh, striking the pose after that punt return. So, um, uh, he was a, he was a last alternate, but got to show love to those Michigan guys. Um, all right. Be looking out on social media for those posts. We're going to try to find a poll, uh, this week that doesn't tie as our last two ones have tied. We'll try to get the results for those as well as get the polls up for you. So you can decide between, uh, who between me and Dylan, who drafted the better Heisman winners. We will move forward now as the NBA refuses to go a week without big time things happening and giving us things to talk about. Uh, this week it was free agency that started. And while no big names like Kevin Durant or LeBron were on the market, we got our fair share of Woj bombs as guys either moved teams or signed extensions with their old teams. Uh, the Lakers are a bit more complete now. The Bulls made a ton of moves. Uh, the Knicks uh, get cardiac Kemba. Uh, so a ton to react to. Uh, Dylan, just give me your reaction to the NBA free agency period. I think um, there maybe weren't the best players, like the elite players maybe weren't on the free agent market, but there were big names. It seemed like every five minutes, Woj was like, this big name's going here, this big name's going there, which was really fun to see because these guys have just created so much fame in the, the, the NBA because they, the NBA really uh, they really encourage that, which is cool, seeing guys that maybe aren't the best players, but they've got these huge fan bases and they've got this name value. Um, the things that have stuck out to me are the moves that the Chicago Bulls have made and the Lakers, obviously. The Lakers have done huge things. Yeah, so the Lakers definitely did a lot of big things, and the Bulls did a ton of big things in terms of, of their free agency. Uh, the Bulls were maybe uh, the biggest surprise uh, in terms of what they did, but uh, the Lakers obviously uh, filling out their their roster. Yeah, um, I was I was really surprised uh, to see just kind of the bombs go down. It felt like uh, we were kind of turning the clock back. It's like we're just talking about the Bulls and Lakers. I was like, is this the '90s, late '80s? We're we're getting everything going. Uh, I really liked seeing Lonzo take his talents to Chicago. It seems like that's been a rumor for years now. Uh, since maybe even since he got to New Orleans in that trade for AD, it seems like they talked about him trying to get to Chicago. So it's cool to see that happen. And then they pair Lonzo and Levine and Vucevic with DeMar DeRozan. And that, I mean, that makes a really, really solid squad. Um, and I ta- I think it was in the round table that I talked about how the East is kind of wide open and it allowed a team like the Bulls just did to really make some moves and make themselves look like a real contender. We don't know what it's going to look like on the court. It could be a mess. Who knows? The Bulls haven't had the greatest luck uh in recent years but we'll see um and i'm excited to see what happens because it's there are quite a few fun players between lonzo damar levine vucevic they got kobe white and then patrick williams uh the young gun down there he's a lot of fun um beyond the bulls the the lakers uh really stuck out to me because we're getting to the twilight of lebron's career so i I, you want to see lebron compete and obviously the nba it it's a lot of times better when the Lakers are good that it's kind of like they're the, 
they're the empire the everybody wants to take down they're the when they're the bad guys and they lean into it it's kind of fun uh so going out and getting guys like malik monk and then getting carmelo anthony to team up with lebron in, in year 19 is a ton of fun uh and just filling out that roster because i i think we also said last week we're like well they've got four players what are they going to do and they really this week they're like god ah, just wait and see we we're going to get people in la to uh fill out this roster and they really really did that um and I wrote a note, which I think I might have been losing my mind. I said, I said, are Chicago and L.A. the teams to beat? I, I don't know about that. I think Brooklyn and Milwaukee are still the teams in uh, <laughs> the East. But L.A. might might rise back to prominence in the West. And then uh, the other two things that I really highlighted were Iggy going back to Golden State today. I thought that was really cool. Um, I hope he finished his, his career there. He's, he had such a good run. Um, and he's a guy that could definitely get his jersey retired in the Bay, and he probably deserves it with all he's done. And then Kimba going to New York, you mentioned it. But uh, the, the one of the most iconic moments in probably college basketball history is that buzzer beater he hit against Pittsburgh in the Big East tournament however many years ago, uh, the cardiac Kimba moment in the garden. So it's going to be fun to watch Kimba in the garden no matter what it looks like. It'll be it'll just have that special feel to it. Um, what have, what have your thoughts been about NBA free agency thus far? Yeah, you reminded me. I actually broke this out today when I, when I remembered that we were doing this. I bought this after Cardi, after Kemba hit that shot in the garden. I was like, all right, I got to get that UConn jersey. It's maybe one of my favorite pieces of sports memorabilia that I own. Um, but you talked about it, you know, the Bulls and the Lakers making their moves. Uh, actually, wasn't like a, a huge fan of what the Bulls did. I think, you know, spending money makes fans happy. You know, I, I think fans in Chicago are going to be happy that they're at least seems like they have a plan to compete. You know, they're go, they're at least interested in going after guys like that. Uh, but I've also seen like when Detroit went out and this is not comparable, these players are not comparable, but when Detroit went out and spent all that money on Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva in free agency, it, it was a move that just seemed to appease the fans. It was like, okay, we are competing. Uh, we can't get the big names though. And, and that was maybe, you know, DeRozan was a big name, uh, but and Lonzo's a big name, but I just don't know how that team fits together. You know, DeRozan's never really been a jump shooter. Lonzo's still trying to figure out how to figure out his jump shot. Um, and, and Levine's a good shooter, but I don't think of Levine as a shooter. You know, he's more of a guy that gets to the rim, uh, can facilitate for his uh, guys while playing off the ball really well, too, because of his athleticism. So uh, I think you need a little bit more shooting. So I think you know, a couple more roster moves would make that Bulls team a little bit better. Uh, so I think there may be a little wait and see. We'll see what happens uh, before opening, you know, opening tip. Uh, and then the Lakers are, again, a wait and see. And it's it's weird because uh, usually teams that are that big of a question mark, I feel like, are, are young teams. But this team's just, you know, we know what we're getting with these guys. It's just how are they going to fit together? You know, how does LeBron, Mello, and Westbrook fit together on the court? You know, I just uh, – not that it doesn't work and not that it can't work. I just don't know how it works right now, but I have to wait to see you know, what it looks like on the floor for me to really have like an opinion on what the Lakers are right now. They could be really, really good. I mean, if you told me five or six years ago uh, that Mello, Westbrook, LeBron, and AD would make up the Lakers roster, I would have told you they'd win the championship, maybe go 70, 74 and eight, whatever it is, you know, because that, that's, that's an amazing roster in terms of just the star power on it. Um, 
I think the most, lastly, I think the thing I'm most interested in is to see how Embiid and Drummond work together in Philly, because I know, I know Drummond played off that beef a little bit that they had, but as a Pistons fan, I know that beef was like a little bit real, you know, every time they played, they were getting at each other and, uh, you know, Drummond's a little bit more passive than Embiid is, so maybe he thought it was a little bit less than it was. But I really think Embiid didn't like Andre Drummond when they played against each other. So uh, I'm going to be really interested to see how they work now because, you know, back then the 76ers were still like – it was still an experiment. You know, we didn't know how good they were going to be. We didn't know Embiid was going to be an MVP candidate. And Drummond was resurging that year when they really started having their beef. So now we really know, you know, Embiid's an MVP candidate and Drummond's, you know, not. So we're going to see how that really plays out in, in Philly. I don't know if that was the best signing, but it, it, it could work. If they can work out through that, you know, off the court stuff, uh, having Drummond to back up Embiid would be, you know, almost ideal in terms of what he can bring in terms of rebounding uh, off the bench. So uh, interesting moves all around. I think, you know, every move that I saw from Moj was like, okay, I can see why that makes sense. I can see why that team's making that move. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out on the court. Uh, we will move forward again. It's NFL power ranking time. The NFL, pre- NFL preseason got underway last night. Uh, so football season is officially right around the corner. Uh, our power rankings this week get more interesting as we move towards the middle of the pack in the NFL. It is numbers 20 through 17 with our preseason power rankings. I'll throw it to Dylan to get us started with his 20th ranked team. All right. Number 20. I am going to go with a team that you had last week. Uh, I'm going to go to the NFC South, the black and gold, the New Orleans Saints. Um, I, they're coming off a pretty good year, uh, but they're also losing Drew Brees, and I think that's going to hurt them quite a bit. They don't really know what's going to happen in the quarterback room between Jameis and Taysom Hill. Uh, there's going to be, I feel like, a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, turnover there. Uh, any way you want to look at it, because it's not Drew Brees in there, like you said last week, uh, and that's going to hurt them. Um, and that's a tough division. They <laughs> and without Drew Brees, it it, it might not look great on the field. Uh, it's going to be a lot different for Sean Payton and those boys down there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they – maybe they fix Jameis. I, I I think that would be really neat, uh, and that can make them a lot better than 20th, that's for sure, if, if they can sick, uh, get some good uh, quarterback play out of Jameis or or maybe even Taysom Hill. I, I haven't loved the Taysom Hill experiment, but who knows? It might it, – they might change the NFL this year. Uh, that's that's why we watch and see what happens. But uh, – but yeah, there's a lot of question marks without Drew Brees in New Orleans, so I'm going to put them at 20, and I, I like my decision. I feel better about the Saints at 20 than I did with Carolina at 21, which feels weird. But uh, yeah, the Saints at 20. Who do you have at 20? Yeah, and the Saints, I, I forgot to mention this last week, Michael Thomas decided to wait till June to get his ankle surgery, so now he's out for another six weeks. That's going to hurt a ton. It would have... I was already under the impression that Michael Thomas was going to have to adjust to Jameis or Taysom Hill over Drew Brees. And I thought that would be a tough adjustment, but to come back off ankle surgery uh, six weeks into the season, uh, that's going to be even tougher. So I'm happy with where we have the saints. I will go at 20. I'm going to go with Minnesota, uh, the third NFC North team. Uh, 
and all of these teams were kind of tough to rank as you get to the middle and they're just past the middle. So they're uh, obviously on the worst side of it, but I, I like Minnesota. I really like Justin Jefferson. He may be my favorite young player in the league right now. Uh, maybe the best route runner and speed threats in a combo that you can have. Uh, but there's just only so much you can do with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Uh, the NFC North is weak. So even at 20, like that's the second best in the NFC North for me. I have the Bears and the Lions finishing behind them. But, it, you know, it's it's just tough. You know, Kirk Cousins can only take you so far, and I don't think he's going to take them very far this year. Um, this might be bold, but okay. So for with 17 games now, I think Justin Jefferson might have the first 2,000-yard season in, a, in NFL history if Kirk Cousins can really put it together because with 17 games now, he, he is so good at running routes and so good at beating guys that I think uh, he is the guy that I would peg to have that first 2000 uh, receiving yard season. Uh, Calvin was the closest, I think at like 1946 or something like that. He was really close. So I think with an extra game, give Justin Jefferson a full season, I think he could possibly do it. Maybe not this year, but uh, at some point in his career, that's how much I like Justin Jefferson. So, uh, but Minnesota at 20, I'll throw it back to you for 19. I really like that pick at 20 so much that I'm going to put it at 19. Uh, I've got the Minnesota Vikings at 19 for a lot of the reasons you, ju- you just said. I-, I like Jefferson. I don't love Kirk Cousins because it's hard to fall in love with him because some w- weeks he looks like the second coming of the greatest quarterback ever. And then some weeks he looks like Kirk Cousins, which is fine. He's, He's done a pretty okay job in his career. That's why he's making good money and he's the starting quarterback of the Vikings. Um, I think a big part for the Vikings is staying healthy. They haven't been able to do that in the last couple of years, which has hurt them. Uh, if they're able to stay healthy, they could be a lot better than 19. That, that's that's kind of the theme with these teams in the middle is if they can stay healthy, put everything together, they have a chance to be good. But there's question marks. Can they get the ball to Jefferson as much as they did last year? Because there's going to be more attention, uh, undoubtedly. And that might open up things for Thieland. It might open up things for other guys. So it'll be interesting to see that. Uh, they have a very, very fun offense. Um, but, yeah, there's just – there's a lot of question marks if they can stay healthy. Kirk Cousins, the, that's the most important position on the field. And just – you don't know if it, he'll be able to be the guy on the big stage when they need him uh, to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers when it matters or beat whoever it is on, on any given Sunday. So, yeah, the, the Vikings come in at number 19. Uh, who do you have at 19? Yeah, and I think similar theme for me within these middle groups, can they stay healthy and are quarterback question marks? And that that usually is what puts them on the other side of the midpoint. And I have a team that you had last week at 21. I've got the Carolina Panthers uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, I do think, you know, we talked about giving Sam Darnold that change of scenery, and I hope that makes a big difference in his career because I think he still has the arm talent to be really good. Uh, the real question mark is, can we get McCaffrey for a a full season? And if we do, then we can really see how good this team could be. Cause I think Darnold could have a breakout season there, but you know, McCaffrey has been hurt throughout his career. Uh, they really need him in there uh, for that offense to work the way that it does. So, uh, question marks there. Uh, I hope Carolina proves me wrong, does better than that. Uh, cause I think health is really the only thing that, that could hold them back. Uh, but it's tough to say what they will do. I'll put them at 19 uh, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, who do you have at 18? At 18, I'm switching paces back to the AFC. I'm going to go to the AFC South. 
There are two AFC South teams that I've not mentioned on my rankings, and 18 is not my favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. So it is the Indianapolis Colts, which might be lower than a lot of people have. And I'm not really even taking into account the injuries to Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson. I think the Colts really are about 18. Uh, a lot of people are really high on the Colts after trading for Carson Wentz. I just I don't see them being any better than they were last year. I think they're right around the middle of the pack. I I don't know that Carson Wentz is an upgrade from Phillip Rivers because there were games last year where Phillip Rivers looked awesome, and he he really kept the Colts in games. I mean, he also had some Phillip Rivers moments where he took them out of games, but that's that's the Phillip Rivers experience that you learn to love if you're if he's the quarterback of your team. Uh, I they've got a very good defense. They can they can really run the ball when their offensive lines go and. Um, and if they have injuries, which Quentin Nelson's going to be out for a little while, uh, Carson Wentz is going to be out for a little while. That, that could those could stack up and hurt them. But Jonathan Taylor's really good. The receiving core is not awesome. It's not terrible either. Um, but I, their defense is going to keep them in games. I mean, it's the Colts. They're gonna they're gonna stay in games. They're they're never really awful unless they're going all in for like the number one pick. Uh, so I see the Colts being very competitive. I think they're just really middle of the pack, even though a lot of people are there. They're gunning for the Titans. I, I don't see it happening. I think they're right around number 18, in my opinion. Uh, who do you have at 18? Carson Wentz is such an interesting guy. He He's almost following uh, – the way that I look at it, he's almost following RG3's career path to a T at this point. You know, breakout rookie season, looking like the next big thing, and then a leg injury just derails him, and now it just seems like he's never going to come back to that same guy. Uh, so yeah, I, I have a lot of agreements there. I don't have the Colts yet, but, uh, I, I'm share your skepticism in the Colts, uh, share similar skepticism. Uh, speaking of RG three, I've got his former team at 18, uh, the Washington football team. And this one pained me. This is the one that really pained me to pick because this defense is very scary. That front seven, uh, might be the best front seven for years to come. And might make me look stupid pretty quickly. And I love any team that allows uh, Fitzmagic to take the reins and, and be the guy. Uh, but a lot of this has to uh, it has to do with the, the NFC East is pretty bad. So you know that that season last year was a little bit you know tough tough to gauge in terms of what you know what did they really do. And then the Cowboys I expect to be really good, and I think they're going to be far away better than everyone else in that division. Uh, so that just puts Washington a bit down further. Um, and I just they, they need a bit more on the offensive side to to wow me a little bit more. You know, their their defense, they, what they've done on defense is is fun, and they could be scary good team down the road. But um, I think it's just a couple more off seasons of offensive, uh, adding some offensive firepower to make that Washington team a little bit better. So I'll have Washington in at eighteen, and we will move on to our final teams this week at seventeen. Who do you got there? At seventeen, I'm gonna echo you. I. Uh... I absolutely love the football team. They, like you said, that defense is going to be scary if they keep it together for uh, years to come, which I hope they do. It, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun in the nation's capital. Uh, the offense is a lot of question marks. I don't know why they didn't go out and draft a quarterback. That seems like such an easy thing to do, but I'm not a GM of the Washington football team. Uh I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a reason he has the job. He's doing a very good job. They were in the playoffs last year. They they were the closest team to beating the Buccaneers in the playoffs. I mean, that they won the Super Bowl, and they won it in convincing fashion. So, I mean, they're doing something right. Um, it's going to – a lot of things are going to fall on Fitzpatrick's shoulders, which is very exciting as a football fan because it's hard not to root for him. 
And out of the NFC East teams, in my opinion, they're the easiest to root for. It just they kind of seem like underdogs. I don't know why, because it's such a great franchise. They have so much history, but they really they right now they just feel like under. Nope, I think we lost your audio for a sec there. But uh, with 17, I am going to – I like that pick as well, obviously. Washington at 18 uh, was great. So uh, I, I love it. At 17, I am going to uh, stay in the AFC as well. I've got the Miami Dolphins at 17. Uh, and, and as we get to, towards the middle of the – middle of the pack these picks are harder and harder and i think miami is a team on the rise and if this is the year that tua makes that jump then this could look really dumb and miami could be really really good but i still think uh tua is just another year of growing pains away from being the the best the best player uh in that division the best quarterback in that division so uh i think he'll show uh like he'll flash what his true potential could be this year i think we're gonna see some like 300, 400 yard passing games from him this year. But the AFC East is also looking really good. Uh, New England retooled this year. Buffalo is on the rise. So, um, you know, finishing third in that division is still pretty, pretty good. So uh, that's where I expect Miami to be. So uh, right at third, right around the middle of the pack at 17. So uh, recapping, I have Minnesota at 20. Carolina Panthers at 19, Washington football team at 18, and the Miami Dolphins at 17. Uh, Dylan, just give us a quick recap of what you had. So at 20, you got the New Orleans Saints, 19, the Minnesota Vikings, 18, the Indianapolis Colts, and 17, the Washington football team. All right, all right, good stuff. We will bring you the the main middle of the pack next week, 16 through 13. Uh, look out for social on social media for those posts as well. We'll get you more of those power rankings out. Uh, that is going to do it for our main topics today. Uh, we move on to this week in sports, and we should almost call it these weeks in sports this week because we want to give our overall thoughts on what's been going on in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Lots of stuff we're watching and covering for the TV sports website. You can check that out on tvsportsmag.com. Uh, we just wanted to touch base with uh, each other and the listeners and what we've seen so far. So, Dylan, just give me your overall thoughts on uh, the Olympic Games so far. I absolutely have loved watching the Olympics. It, it makes me almost feel like a little kid because I'm, I'm just – I don't really care what sport it is. I'm just rooting for the red, white, and blue. I want to see uh, the – the, the guys and gals wearing the stars and stripes come away with the win and the gold medal. Uh, this morning, I was up real early for whatever reason. I don't know. Sometimes I just can't sleep in late because I'm becoming an old man, I guess. And I got to watch uh, the Olympic freestyle wrestling. And it well, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, there's been clips all over the internet of Gable Stevenson from the University of Minnesota. And he was down a couple uh, – I don't know the exact times points. I, I'm sorry, wrestling community, if I'm getting this wrong. But he was down a couple points with just a few seconds left against the um, heavyweight from Great Britain. And he had a comeback and got three points again, if that's the wrong terminology. I very, I'm very, very sorry to the wrestling community. Uh, and came back and won the gold medal. Uh, Stevenson's a guy that I've heard about uh, because he's won several national championships in Minnesota. He's been dominant. He's an absolute character. He's a very, very funny guy. Uh, so it's very cool seeing him win that, uh, uh, bring the gold back home to America and, uh, and Big Ten country, I reckon. Um, 
I, I've really enjoyed I enjoyed watching Katie Ledecky swimming. She won two gold medals, two silver. She she put on a, a absolute show like she always does. Uh, becoming she's entering uh, that realm of Olympian uh, legendary like Michael Phelps almost. Uh, she's so good. All the records she holds. Uh, I, I saw a tweet. Uh, I think it was last week where the graphic of her records it spanned. Uh, it was upon four different picture tweets. So you just keep scrolling. It's just Katie Ledecky, Katie Ledecky, Katie Ledecky, Katie Ledecky. I was like, oh my goodness, she is. She's just built different. She's the. She's like Michael Phelps. What he did. Uh, and she's already said she's going to come back for another Olympics, which is exciting. Get to see her do her thing. Uh, at the beginning of the Olympics, I really enjoyed watching the skateboarding. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, I wish Tony would have been out there, but uh, it, it was cool to see. It's a, it was a new Olympic sport. Uh, just getting to watch it and enjoy it. Didn't cover it, but uh, just really enjoying it, getting to watch some cool stuff. I've always enjoyed the X Games, getting to watch them just go out there and have some fun, represent the country. And then the stuff that I've, I've really covered and uh, sunk my teeth in and learned a lot about was uh, you got baseball, softball. Women's basketball, men's basketball, and that's all, all been a blast watching uh, the U.S. teams uh, make it to the finals and almost all of those. Uh, we lost in softball to Japan what was an awesome game. Uh, it was unfortunate. Uh, then the women's team got their uh, – clinched their – the women's basketball team clinched their spot in the gold medal game for the seventh straight time uh, yesterday, which is crazy. Ties the, uh, the streak the men's team went on from 1936 to 1968 of seven straight gold medal games. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and then watching the men's teams, obviously awesome. Uh, what have you thought about the Olympics so far? Yeah, the Olympics, I echo everything you said. It's one of those times every every so often, uh, four years and now five years for, for this year. Uh, you get to – everyone's on the same team. We're all rooting for the same team. And there's just, you know, I think what's so fun about the Olympics is that each of these sports, regardless how small and how big they are, they have their own storylines and they have their own, you know, stars and, and people to watch. Uh, and even if you only get to sink it, your, your teeth in for about five minutes or so for some of these events, uh, you get to learn all about, uh, you know, how these athletes have, have grown and, you know, their expectations and the expectations of the Olympic people. And it, it's just awesome to see because it, it, it reminds you of, growing up playing sports and doing things like that, because it's all, it's all very similar. I, I was able to cover the men's uh, four by a hundred meter relay qualifier. And you might've heard about that event because uh, Carl Lewis ripped the USA team afterwards. Um, and in doing research for the event, I, I learned a lot about it. And this is an event that the USA has dominated, uh, dominated it. 15 gold medals since 1912, 17 overall medals since uh, since it's been introduced. It was in 1912 that it's been introduced, but uh, haven't won gold since 2000 and haven't medaled since 2004. And it's been all bad handoffs of the baton uh, that have have ended up costing them two disqualifications uh, in draft batons. And then this year, uh, the, the baton handoff, the second baton handoff between two of the fastest men in the sport, uh, just went so badly. It cost them so much time. They ended up finishing sixth in the heat, uh, losing out to Italy, China, and Canada. And it's just, it's tough to see those types of things because the U.S. US track and field is so dominant for what they do, uh, win so many medals, win gold and basically, or at least medal in almost everything. And then to see an event that we dominated so historically uh, become sort of our sore spot that, uh it kind of sucks, but it's interesting to see, you know, those are stories you don't really hear about 
uh, very often. Uh, but it, it's interesting to watch to see how those things play out. Um, I've also, you know, it's just been, you know, the storylines are, are, are my favorite part. And I think my favorite storyline was uh, the Alaskan swimmer, Lydia Jacoby winning gold. And then there's that video of her whole town watching in that salt, small pool, uh, watching her win gold and just going nuts. I think that was, you know, the moment, the moments you live, live for in sports. And I think probably one of the best moments so far, it was like one of the first things that happened and still uh, one of my favorite moments, the Olympics, but yeah, watching the basketball team going, going nuts and, and figuring things out has been great. Uh, both of those teams up for gold here uh, coming up this week. So that's awesome. Uh, we're going to be watching a lot of Olympics as we go forward. We're going to look with our last uh, this week in sports topic. We're just going to look forward to what we've got going on, uh, what we're going to be watching. So Olympics, baseball, whatever uh, is going on. Uh, Dylan, what is on your schedule and what are you watching for this weekend and the, the week coming up? I reckon I've got about four or five things that are really on the docket this weekend. I, I can't wait to watch uh, the both the men's and women's basketball teams as they go for gold. Uh, I believe the men's game is tonight. I, I don't know for sure. It, it confuses me. I've got to admit, uh, if our boss Steven's listening, this has really tripped me up with the schedule. It'll say like, yeah, this game's on Thursday, but it's like, midnight and it, it's really tripped me up i'll admit the olympics the time change it really it, it's tripped me up but i believe that's tonight it might be tomorrow um i'm excited to watch uh the men's game against france for the gold medal and then the women play uh japan i believe and i think that's i think that's tomorrow i don't know the time changes it messes with my head uh but i'm excited to see those uh excited uh to watch uh some summer league basketball uh, watch the watch the young Memphis Grizzlies and the young other young guys around the league. Uh, the the young Grizzlies team, I, I have a lot of fun watching them because Yves Pons from Tennessee is on there, and then they also have Sha- uh, Shaq uh, Buchanan, if I can speak, and Darnell Cowart from Murray State on the team, who both played with Ja at Murray State. So that that's really cool to see. Uh, watch those guys that I went to Murray State with play uh, play in the summer league, and then on uh, I uh, this morning I secured some tickets to go watch the Cardinals play the Royals this Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. Go watch, uh, I believe John Lester is on the mound for the Cardinals. So get to watch uh, geriatric John Lester on the mound on Sunday. So that'll, that'll be fun. Uh, uh, but yeah, a lot of sports coming up. The Olympics come to a close on Sunday, I believe. So hopefully the U.S. can get a few more gold medals this weekend and uh, watch some baseball, watch some, watch some summer league basketball. Hopefully get some highlights in there. And uh, yeah, just have some fun watching, watching all the crazy things in sports. What are you looking forward to the most? It's funny you say uh, geriatric John Lester. I got to cover, uh, he was on the Nationals, I think, before he got traded to the Cardinals, correct? And he was, he was pitching a game that I was covering of the Nationals. I was like, geez, John Lester's still in the league. And then he got two hits, including a home run in the game. I was like, what, what's going on? John Lester just uh, doing things at age at age 36 that I've never seen him do ever, you know, can't even throw to first base, but now he's hitting home runs. So interesting stuff there. Uh, yeah. Team USA does play tonight at 1030. Uh, actually probably the best time that they've played at in terms of us getting to watch it. So 1030 Eastern time, not terribly late. I'll be tuning in for that. And, and as I said, as we jumped in, the Tigers are on a tear right now, uh, took two or three from Boston, won three of the last four. Uh, and they start a series with Cleveland this weekend. And if they could win 
at least two of those games. I think they got to win at least two. They might have to sweep it, but it, they could be in second place in the AL Central once the series is over. Uh, that's not saying much because we're still under 500 and the White Sox are like nine games, nine and a half games ahead of Cleveland at this point. But uh, it's just something I'll be watching for. That young Tigers team uh, is getting some confidence and, and I, I, it's been fun to watch, e- even though they're not really competitive uh, in terms of the standings, they've been competitive with basically every team they've played this year. Um, swept Houston earlier in the year, just beat Boston. Uh, and now we've got uh, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Cleveland back to back to back. So it could be a, a, a few series to rack up some wins and actually get on the on the right side of 500. Uh, so we'll be watching for that and then just watching the rest of the Olympics as, as everything lines up. Uh, I think the, I think the U S still has a pretty hefty medals lead, but last time I, I saw it was uh, China had more gold medals than us. So we'll be watching that. Uh, the medal counts as everything gets wrapped up uh, that will do it from us. You have any final thoughts Dylan uh, before we wrap it up here? I just wanted to give a shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm sure Spencer's listening at home right now or in the car, wherever he listens from. Uh, his tweet yesterday, or your tweet, Mr. Dinwiddie, was one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. He obviously he joined the Washington Wizards, and he tweeted out the clip from Harry Potter where Haggard says, "You're a wizard, Harry." And I, I thought that was one of the funniest things ever. And I, I just, if you haven't seen it, go to Spencer's uh, Twitter. It's very funny. Got a good chuckle out of me, and I just wanted to share that as we sign off today. But yeah, good stuff, Spencer. Yeah, thank you, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, hope you're wa- uh, listening and, and enjoy the shout out. All right, that is going to do it from us from the Dylan and Dylan show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A uh, reminder where you can find us. You can find our social media on Twister, Twitter and Instagram at, at Dylan Dylan show and now on YouTube at the Dylan and Dylan show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports at, in, on Instagram and Twitter at underscore TV sports. Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. And that will do it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we will see you all next week. See you later.